This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish in the Anglican Church of North America in Houston, Texas. Find us online at holytrinityrec.org, on Facebook as at Holy Trinity Houston, and on Twitter and Instagram as Holy Trinity REC. Enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own home. This line that we read last week in 2 Samuel chapter 12 outlines King David's future after his previous sins of adultery and murder. Yes, as we've read, David fully repented. But with the forgiveness also came the fallout that he would have to live with the rest of his life. Often in the life of faith, when we've sinned, repented, and have been forgiven, life will not be the same as it was before the sin. Too often we can have a false sense that Forgiveness means that we can just go back to the way it was before, like nothing changed, like nothing happened. Sometimes, as was with what occurred with David, the rest of life after the sin takes a path that often keeps us humble and low, helping us to abstain from the sin we originally committed. Such as was the case with King David. First, we read last week of the death of his child due to his grievous sins. Then a blessing with giving one of his enemies into his hands. And now in chapter 13 of in this week, we read of David facing evil within his own household of a most disturbing and depraved manner. This morning, let us reflect further on the life of King David as he now lives and the ongoing consequences for his sin. Verses 1 through 14 speaks of the sin of Abnon one of David's sons, against Tamar, one of David's daughters. We read here as well that Tamar was the full sister of Absalom. Verse 1 states, And after a time, Abnon, David's son, loved her. The rest of verse 6 speaks of Amnon's lust for his half-sister and how one of Abnon's friends told him to lie down on the bed and pretend to be sick. Amnon was advised to pull his father into his sinful scheme by asking for his sister Tamar to come and attend to his illness. The two men schemed in how to turn Amnon's temptation into sin. By using David in this, we see the unrest, the consequences of his own sins were bearing in his family. Such was a sign of a lack of peace. Not only did David face the prospect of almost constant warfare against outside enemies the rest of his life. This event in his life also marked the beginning of conflict within his household for the rest of his life. Why would God allow this to happen? As I said earlier, David was forgiven of all his sin. Yet reminders to keep him humble remained. His life changed through the turmoil in his family. For a king, if you think about it, especially in the ancient Near East, family turmoil meant uncertainty for the future in terms of whether or not his offspring would continue to reign 
after his death. For David, this turmoil was a lasting reminder of his sin. It was humbling, meant for him to remember well what happened to the previous king, to his dear friend Saul, for continuing to fall into sin even after repenting. God would not give David the chance to dig into a prideful position as Saul had previously. Rather, the turmoil kept his eyes upon God and dependence and trust, as the rest of this book will outline for us. Such examples should provide us constant checks to the temptations we face to ask God to help us resist them. As we see with Amnon, his temptation of such an immoral sort occurred in the relative ease of being a member of the royal family. He had no worries in the world in terms of the common people of Israel. He had everything given to him. In such ease, he sought depravity instead of contentment in God and seeking what was fit and proper for someone of his status. We must be cautious in our own time as well, for we live in unprecedented times where we have it better than even the kings of the ancient world in many ways. In such a climate of wealth and prosperity, the temptation towards increasingly wicked lifestyles and actions beckon us as they did Abnon. Our culture sells us the lie that anything should be allowed, and eventually every perversity can be found. As God's people in such a time and such a place, we must remain vigilant, rejecting what this world pushes in favor of contentment in Jesus and his righteousness through his word. Such is not a pick-and-choose morality as many in the church are tempted to adopt today. If we break one aspect of God's law, especially in terms of sexual immorality, and we say that, or, and we say that the rest are sinful, we are guilty of breaking them all. This is why we need to know God's word and how it speaks to intimacy. That such is only sanctioned by God between a married man and a married woman. All else is considered sinful by God. We do not have the ability or the right to pick and choose what we think is moral and immoral. Only God has that power and authority and he's given it to us in his word. We must submit to it and ask God's help for the areas where we're weak and need his strength to resist through prayer in every avenue of grace given to us. For Abnon, another dangerous note to his temptation was that he was aided by another person to pursue his sin. His depravity stretched from keeping such within to seeking another person to help him attain it. The call of God's word is to seek his help and others to resist temptation. When we drag others into fulfilling our temptations, we seek greater chastisement and greater consequence. Verses 7 through 14 speaks of Amnon's sinful plan coming to fruition, from using his father to the rape of his half-sister. In his depravity, he even resisted his sister's pleas to take the matter to their father. She tried all she could to stop this sin. Amnon, in his temptation, was not interested in doing anything right. Even at Tamar's offer and desperation for him not to commit this sin, she begged him to ask their father to give her to him in marriage. 
Amnon, as we read, followed through with his temptation and did what was considered an outrage in Israel. An outrageous thing is a phrase that we find only a few places in God's word, and it has to do with sexual immorality of the most violent sort. The first act of turmoil within David's household mirrored what David did in his adultery. And the second, we will see next week, mirrored what he did to Uriah. Verses 15 through 22 speaks of the aftermath of Amnon's corrupt act and the initial response of his family. Two additional depraved acts occurred from Amnon toward his sister. First, we read in verse 15, then Amnon hated her with very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up, go. In giving in to this vicious temptation, the real intent of his actions was revealed as is always revealed in sexual immorality. All sexual sins at the end of the day are acts of hatred towards God and towards the people the acts are committed. The world may object to this, but repeatedly through in our relationships, sexual immorality reveals and begets in the end hatred and not love. The second horrid act after telling her to go was Amnon's reply to this from his sister in verse 16. No, my brother, for this wrong in sending me away is greater than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. He then threw her out. Even in the midst of Amnon's disgusting behavior, Tamar tried to rectify the situation through giving Amnon one last opportunity to make this right. He, in his sinful state, refused and put her out. Often when we allow ourselves to cave into sin, our hearts become hardened to the point we commit more sins and destroy others. After Tamar publicly tore her long robe, placed ashes on her head, and cried aloud, we read that her brother Absalom, her full brother, inquired of what happened to her and did the only thing left to do out of kindness to take her into her house the rest of her days. Verse 21 reveals the response of David. When King David heard of all these things, he was angry. Yet, we read here that David really didn't do anything about it. For David, in the conception of power for kings, the firstborn, after all, was the most important in his household. The heir to the throne, Amnon, was David's firstborn the heir. He had a special place of honor to protect, to maintain. Due to David's only own moral failure earlier, he was paralyzed. He didn't act. The consequences of his sins was toppling his own ideas and plans for the future of his kingdom and his family. We read the following in verse 22 to close the reading today. But Absalom spoke to Amnon neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister Tamar. While David was angry, Am- Absalom hated his brother. This hatred will come to the forefront as all unchecked temptation to sin does 
in the last part of chapter 13. Allowed to build, hatred, as we will see, turns into more sin. May we learn to seek Christ and his righteousness in everything, from our words and our very thoughts. Let us remain humble in the face of the temptations we face, especially in our culture today. For as with David, even after receiving pardon, consequences for his heinous sins of adultery and murder continued the rest of his life. We cannot resist the various sins we face alone, in our own strength, in our own power. Our lot now in Jesus Christ through resisting temptation to sin is by his grace alone, as we read in Romans 6, because we're no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to God. In such a state of life, God enables us and fosters us, fosters within us good fruit that, as we read in the epistle, leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. We never fully arrive on this side of eternity. We can't say, I have nothing to worry about as I am strong enough now to resist and to endure on my own. Thank you very much. No, we only have strength when our default position is humility to always admit that we are weak and our only hope is Christ and his righteousness by the Holy Spirit to help us endure and resist temptation to his glory. May we mark these most difficult passages of the Bible as places to learn better to be humble and to better seek Jesus through everything we face, especially down to our very thoughts. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Amen.